It was no big deal. You come out, you wash your hands next to a nice lady, and you know you awkwardly don't talk to her, and they, you go back to the club. It's great. But, it's just uh, like every other bathroom experience. You exactly. awkwardly don't talk to anyone. You don't exactly. make eye contact. You get in, you get out. Then I'm different. to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Claire. You heard the man. Welcome back. This is indeed the Lions of Liberty podcast, and this is episode number 89. Before we get into today's show, I want to take a second to let you know about Health Excellence Select, an amazing alternative to Obamacare, which utilizes health sharing to cover your medical costs. That's Health Excellence Select. For more information, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. And we've got a special episode today. This is not just an ordinary episode. No, this is our second edition of our oh-so-fun, well, I don't know if it's fun. <laughs> we have fun doing it, but it's a, it's a serious topic. It's a feature called... The Felony Report. The Felony Report. That's right, The Felony Report. And I can't do The Felony Report on my own, so I've got with me the author of the weekly Felony Friday, John Odermatt. Welcome back to the show. What's up, Mark? How's it going, man? It's going all right. Um, you know, I live in California. It's nice. Yeah, well, it's good. You know, it actually hit 60 today here in uh, Pennsylvania, so that's pretty wow. awesome. Pretty excited it, about that. It was that. 96 degrees in my car yesterday. I, well, that's too hot. I can't deal with that. No, no, I agree. It was too hot. <laughs> we all agree it's too hot. We will whine in California. We'll whine about anything. If it gets like below 70, we're freezing. And then if it's like 83, it's too hot. So no way to please us. And when it rains, all bets are off. That's yeah, just... Then it's Armageddon. <laughs> but anyway, you, you're saying in the intro, we, we probably won't have any fun or maybe this isn't fun. But I think we have a couple of fun stories, uh, fun uh, Felony Friday installments that uh, we could be going over this week. So it could be a little bit of fun. Well, we're going to do our best to have fun with it. And, of course, if you are curious about this show, what exactly it is, this is, of course, the podcast version of John's weekly article, Felony Friday, where he takes a look at all sorts of felonies and tries to sort of draw some ideas of liberty and some lessons from these stories that we find out in the media. If you want to check out the first edition where you know John really delves into why he started this series of articles and why we started this podcast, you can head over to the archive at lionsofliberty.com slash podcast. Episode number 77 was our first edition of the show. Wow, 12 episodes ago. Isn't that... It's, it's amazing how time flies. That is amazing. <laughs> it sure is. Anyway, why don't we get into some of the stories here now. And the big one, this is actually a great one to start with because you have an update on this one already. But this is one you wrote about about six weeks ago. And I'll just dish the titles out to you and you can actually get into you know what these stories are about. But this one is Florida Man Facing Charges for Growing Marijuana to Treat His Anorexia. So what's this story all about? Yeah, this is a uh, very interesting, uh, heartfelt story, if you will. A story about a guy by the name of Jesse Teplicki, I think I'm saying that correctly, from Florida. And he got in a little bit of trouble with the law growing some marijuana plants at his home. I guess like a, a neighbor tattled on him or, or something like that, called the police on him, and they raided his home. And they raided his home, and they found 46 marijuana plants. And as uh, probably most of our listeners know, marijuana is not legal in the state of Florida. It's not legal medically or recreationally. So this got Jesse in uh, quite a bit of trouble. He was facing felony charges, and um, he was actually offered a plea deal. 
that would have just got him uh, some probation um, if he would have accepted the charges and he wouldn't have had to serve any jail time. But uh, Jesse Teplinki found himself in sort of, a, I guess, a definitely unique situation here. He was actually uh, growing the marijuana in order to self-medicate himself for chronic anorexia that he had been dealing with since since childhood. And he talks about in, during childhood, you know, being prescribed steroids and different methods. And, you know, it would work for some time and then it would wreak havoc on his body. And, and it, ultimately, he couldn't find an answer until he started smoking marijuana. And it was the only thing that gave him an appetite and he was able to actually lead a healthy life. So he, this actually became like a, a life or death thing for him. I mean, if he ended up going to jail and he wouldn't be able to uh, medicate himself by smoking marijuana or, in, I guess, ingesting orally, um, he, he probably would have died. So he had that all on the line here and he, you know, turned down the plea deal. And I guess, you know, we can get into the follow-up article I wrote. And this is a little bit what I was talking about with, with the good news. Well, yeah, first of all, you know, when, when you say anorexia, I feel like there's going to be some people out there on Facebook that are like, ah, he had anorexia. Well, tell him just eat a burger. Like, I mean, it, this is not some guy who just didn't feel like eating. This is an actual medical condition where mm -hmm. he just literally had no appetite. He couldn't even bring himself in, to eat. So it was obviously, it was a very serious medical condition, right? Yeah, I guess I guess people have that that image of you know the high school girl that just eats a piece of lettuce for lunch and starves herself to lose weight. Not to, I mean that that is a problem also. Not to be you know lighthearted about that, but uh, I mean this yeah this is also a, a serious condition. The guy literally did, does not have an appetite. Um, he, he would he would die unless he uh, somehow stimulated his appetite. So yeah, very serious medical condition. And there was you know he testified to that and. Uh, was able to convince the jury that you know this is a serious medical condition and that it was necessary, which is incredible when you think. I mean, it's really incredible when you think about it because, like I said before, Florida does not have legalized medical marijuana. They don't have legalized recreational marijuana. So I don't know if this was jury nullification per se, but it's definitely the jury of his peers um, looking out for him over the uh, heavy hand of the state or a coercive government. Yeah, it, it really is interesting because in a state that actually has medical marijuana or has recreational marijuana, he probably wouldn't have even been brought to trial in the first place. But here we are in a state where, it's funny, in Florida, they actually pass a measure for medical marijuana in favor of it. Well, it didn't pass. It passed, I think, 57% or something like that. But in Florida, in, in for whatever reason, that particular measure needed 60% to actually be enacted. So a majority of Floridians do actually agree with the concept of using marijuana for medicine and think that it should be legal to do so. But even that being said, it still is not the actual law there. So it really is interesting that despite the fact that, you know, it's pretty clear he did, you know, technically violate the law, the fact that he was able to show that this is for medical use still got him to win the case. Now, one interesting note, you mentioned you weren't sure if it's jury nullification. As we discussed earlier, I uh, I actually booked Jesse DePlecky's attorney, Michael Minardi. He was going to be a guest. This is a high-level teaser for uh, for fans of the show. Um, <laughs> he is going to be a guest on a future episode of the show in a few weeks. And just in our email exchange, I, I found it interesting because I mentioned jury nullification in the email. And he, it, he actually does not see this as a case of jury nullification. 
we'll get a little bit more into that exactly why that is when I actually speak with him. But essentially, he believes it was you know the jury itself wasn't considering the idea of nullification; they were just seeing it as a legitimate use, almost like self-defense, where you know murder isn't legal, but they have exceptions if you have to, if you kill somebody in the line of self-defense. That's basically how they viewed Jesse Tepleki's defense as well. You know, he yeah he might have broken the law in theory, but he was doing it in d- defense of his body. He had to do it; he had no choice, or he would die. So they basically said what you said that he had to do it or else he would die therefore it was legal but for say i mean maybe it's semantics in a way and you know i'm looking forward to speaking to him about it, to really trying to parse exactly why he doesn't feel that it specifically meets the call of jury nullification but i find it interesting that he doesn't actually attribute it to that yeah it's definitely interesting i'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that interview um some things i've heard about jesse tablicki's lawyer is i think he has like six or seven other cases that are very similar to this that are uh, moving forward right now. So definitely something to follow closely. Interesting stuff. Uh, well, well, yeah, and hopefully we see more stuff like this because, I mean, when a case like this comes out, it can hopefully embolden other juries to, to see this kind of thing. And even if they're not you know, sitting in their heads thinking of jury nullification and they don't have a nullify now sticker on their bumper or anything, I mean, if, if people just start to see that you can actually, for whatever reason not convict someone of a law if you feel it was justified that they break the law well that that's a that's a huge thing too and that, it's definitely something to highlight and i know that's why you wanted to highlight this case for us and now let's look at another case here that i believe this has a happy update too that we'll get to this is the case of a 72 year old new jersey teacher who is facing up to 10 years in prison for having an antique pistol so why don't you tell us about this one Right, yeah, this this one does have a happy ending, but did not start out happy at all. And we, we talked about this one to our uh, dedicated listeners, might remember it, from the last installment of Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. We touched on this case. I gave a little high-level teaser. So if you've tuned back in to hear the details... I believe that's when we invented the concept of the high-level teaser. That's possible. That's, yeah, I, I don't remember. I was drinking. But anyway, so... What happened here? New Jersey man, Gordon Van Glider, a retired uh, New Jersey school teacher and uh, antique gun collector slash aficionado type guy, um, was traveling along with, with a friend. He was actually the passenger in the car driving along. He has an antique pistol in the glove box. They got pulled over. Um, we find out later the reason they got pulled over is because they were driving through an area that I guess was, you know, a shady area with drug transactions and I guess they suspected for some reason either the make of the vehicle or um, I, I wouldn't think the, the the passengers one being an old man would would you know would trigger that but who the heck knows what cops are looking for in in, uh, in those things but anyway they, they get pulled over what, old, old guys can't be in gangs old guys can't get into mischief come on I don't want to I don't want to judge you know so you never know you never know you never know who could be dealing drugs that's what this I'm saying but anyway, so they, they pull this guy over, and the cop is very aggressive from the start. Surprise, surprise. Demands to search the vehicle. Um, they make a mistake by allowing the police officer to search the vehicle. And this uh, Gordon Van Gilder you know, just straight up says, listen, you know, I have this antique pistol in my uh, glove box, you know. It would take me probably an hour to, to load it and shoot someone, but, you know, here it is, you know. So and and the the cop they, they don't arrest them right there, but um, the next day they show up at Mr. Van Gilder's home, um, like five or six cops you know pounding on his door and they haul him away and arrest him on weapons charges. 
And I think you talked about this, or I know you talked about this some with recent podcast guest uh, Brian Aiken about the ridiculous uh, firearm laws in the state of New Jersey. That was a mid-level plug to go with the high-level teaser. There you go. Uh, that was well done. <laughs> and uh, is the, the laws, I mean, you can, you can clarify them, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Basically, you can you know, own a gun completely legally. But um, if you're transporting that gun that you own legally and you have, you know, you have permits for, if you're transporting it, unless it's like locked in your trunk in a safe, if you have it in a glove box, you're breaking the law. You can't transport a gun that way. That's a weapons charge. Did I get that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that is part of the law. That wasn't what, you know, what got Brian Aiken landed, but that might have been what got him landed. Or it might have actually been the type of pistol as well, though, right? Was that part of his charge? Um, well, th- yeah, the thing with the type of pistol was um, it, it was a 18th century century. I can't say that word. Old. 18th century pistol. And um, federal law actually ex- exempts that, um, w- would have exempted the gun from any wrongdoing. If that makes sense the way I'm saying that, probably doesn't. But but anyway, uh, that was ignored in New Jersey. So yeah. Essentially, you're not allowed to own guns in New Jersey, but there, are certain, there yeah. are certain exemptions <laughs> where you can have a gun, and those exemptions are in your home or transporting in a move between a home and a new home or an old home or what have you. But you can't just carry it around. You can't even have it just in your car. You can only have it in your car if you're going from point A to point B if point B is the gun range or if point B is a new home you're moving to. But there's no other circumstance where you can have a gun in your possession. So the fact that maybe he wasn't moving, but also the fact that it wasn't properly, as he said, locked up in the way it should be for transport. It was considered carrying, and you're not allowed to conceal carry. So I think if it's not transported, locked away, it's considered carrying because he had it in the glove box. Well, you are allowed to conceal carry in New Jersey, but it's just it's impossible to get to get a license. Much like in California, you technically have a concealed carry permit. But no one can get them, you know? Yeah. The, the people that get them are like the bodyguards of the governor and people right. like that. The average Joe, so to speak, cannot just – you can fill out the paperwork. You can fill out the paperwork all day long. But, uh, you know, even in New Jersey, if you can prove that you have a direct threat to your life, they have denied – like mothers that had stalkers coming after them deny their concealed carry permits. I mean the burden of proof, I guess, that you deserve to carry a firearm, that you deserve to actually have the Second Amendment respected in New Jersey is just astronomical. And it's, it's pretty much the same. Same in California. I mean, I don't know anybody out here that can just get a concealed carry permit. Uh, I don't know if our other gun laws are quite as quite as draconian as New Jersey's, but you know, it's not, nothing to, nothing to brag about, nothing to brag to the NRA about. That's for sure. Yeah. So let, let's make the uh, the governor of that state president. That'd be a great idea. That'd be awesome. The big guy. The big guy, Christie. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah, want I'm to be sure. too too insulting to him, but you know, <laughs> he's had a donor or two in his day. What are you going to say? Yeah, there you go. There you go. But um, just a little more specific on those numbers. There's only been 1,212. This is in 2014. It's a pretty recent. This was a, these are hard numbers, I guess. Where are these from? From the uh, – I can't find it. Anyway, it, it was 2,212. Just trust him. We don't need concealed, sources. Concealed carry. Reliance of liberty. Um, We're trustworthy. So basically you have to know Chris Christie to get a concealed carry permit. Yeah, it's it's like him and all his friends from high school exactly. that, that, that have permits. 
So what actually happened? We didn't mention that there was a bit of a happy ending here. Well, I mean, not happy. I mean, he shouldn't have ever had to deal with this in the first place. But whatever ended up happening to Mr. Gilder's case, because he was, uh, much like Brian Aiken, was refusing a plea deal the whole time. Yeah, and, and rightly so. I mean, what, why would you agree to a, a charge when you haven't committed a crime? I mean, it's, it's, it would, I mean it, it, it's easy to say that from the outside, but, I mean, definitely takes some fortitude not to. But, yeah, the, the charges were dropped. But still, I mean, even with the charges being dropped, it's not like the same thing can happen to someone else tomorrow. And they, they go as far pretty much to, to say exactly that. Um, this is the uh, quote from the Cumberland County prosecutor, Jennifer Webb McRae. And she says, the public should be forewarned about the prescriptions against possessing a firearm, even an antique in a vehicle. And then goes on to say, notwithstanding, upon careful review of circumstances of this case, I'm exercising prosecutorial discretion to dismiss the unlawful possession of a weapon charges in interest of justice in accordance with the Graves Act governing firearms in New Jersey. So they dropped the charges but said we could still arrest you if we're doing the same thing. We're not changing anything. So just that's how New Jersey rolls, I guess. Do you think it was just that, you know, that this case kind of got a little bit of media attention and they, they didn't want to be seen as bullying this old man around who obviously wasn't able to harm anyone with this? I mean, like you said, even if he wanted to harm someone with it, it would take him an hour to, you know, to load it up. And I mean, it's just it's just absurd to even to even act like he was carrying a serious weapon. I mean, it was he's basically just carrying an antique at that point. Yeah, you know, my ego makes me think that I played, you know, some small part in, you know, restoring this man's rights. Well, clearly, it's it's the the popularity of Felony Friday <laughs> and and this show, The Felony Report. That has it, it had to, it had to factor in somehow, right? Drawn the, the real spotlight to it. I don't know. I, I mean, I hope so. It, it couldn't have, it couldn't have hurt. Um, who, who knows? I mean, I'm I was surprised that they did drop the charges. Really, in all honesty, I I was expecting this guy to be locked up. I was expecting to be writing a follow up about his his trial and the you know and being thrown in jail or getting some insane fine. So I was very, very happy to see these charges dropped. Well, you know, we said we weren't going to have any fun, but here we are talking about two guys that beat their charges in various ways. So this this is an all-happy, cheery uh, edition of Felony Report so far. We'll see. We'll see how things go. So far, it's uh, not going to stay up. No, sorry. So let, let's move on to our next story here. This was entitled Texas Bill would punish businesses that do not discriminate. So tell us what this is about. Who the heck is this Texas Bill guy? What does he think he can just go, he can just go around telling businesses? Is he running for president? <laughs> I just picture like a Texan in a big cowboy hat. Like in like the billion dollar man suit with like money symbols on it. <laughs> don't, mess, don't mess with Texas Bill. Man. Big cowboy boots. Yeah, I, I'm picturing this guy. He's basically Rick. He's basically Rick Perry. Let's go get a steak. <laughs> basically Rick Perry, but cooler, maybe not. <laughs> anyway, so this Texas bill, um, not the guy, the the actual bill was introduced by State Representative Debbie Riddle, who is a Republican. Um, remember that for when I tell you a little bit about the bill. So she actually introduced two bills, so two pieces of legislation, so two Texas bills involved in this one. <laughs> There's uh, the, more the than first... one Texas bill, too? Now I'm really confused. Well, here's a chart to show the second guy. They're multiplying. <laughs> Texas William. We'll call one of them Texas Willie. <laughs> Willie. Oh, I can't take Texas Willie seriously. That's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, first piece of uh, legislation, we'll call this one Texas Willie, would, would amend the existing laws in Texas on disorderly conduct by adding a provision for when someone enters a public restroom that is designated 
by a sign for members of the opposite sex of the actor. So it specifies that the sex is to be determined by the individual driver's license. So the first piece of legislation would actually penalize the person for going in the incorrect restroom according to their driver's license. So this targets the individual. Um, The second piece of legislation, Texas bill, which is House Bill 1748. The first one was House Bill 1747. Um, This one actually defines the gender as what is established on the individual's birth certificate and established by the individual's chromosomes. The chromosomes would be the the tiebreaker, um, air quotes, if there is a mismatch. And (laughs) this is a bill that lays out out punishments (laughs) for the facility that actually allows the transgender individual to go in a bathroom that does not match up with their chromosomes. So I guess this uh, this lawmaker, Texas lawmaker, state rep Debbie Riddle, is expecting, if this does pass, which I can't see how it would, is somehow expecting um, these restaurant owners or gym owners to have people stationed at the door checking IDs and checking genders. Checking chromosomes if there's a tie. <laughs> Checking chromosomes. No one's looking at my chromosomes. <laughs> to make to make to make sure that people go in the right in the right restroom. We're joking about this, but this is freaking insane. This is coming from <laughs> a, a, a Republican. A Republican is supposed to at least you know you, you you think when you're when you're growing up you hear about Republicans and Democrats and you know Republicans supposed to value property rights and be for business and for. Uh, the business owner and Democrats are openly, you know, for government and are against business and are for taxation. And Democrats want to infringe on businesses and Republicans want to, you know, let businesses do as they please. And you have a Republican in Texas, supposedly the most Republican state. Texas bill, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> Texas bill introduces this garbage. But uh, I don't know, it's it's ridiculous. We got to have Brian or, or maybe somebody actually design a Texas bill character that we start using for any bill, any bill from Texas. Yeah, we could make like a skit out of it. I don't know. Maybe with the new YouTube channel, we could, you know, have a Texas Bill skit. I don't know about having something like that, but I'll see. By the way, this is a good time to plug. Oh, another nice mid-level plug. Uh, We do have a Lions of Liberty YouTube channel now, folks. So go go check it out. We'll we'll link to it in the show notes. I can't give you a a URL because they won't give us a URL, a fancy like slash Lions of Liberty URL until we get more followers. So come follow us and help us get that easy URL. Until then, you know, you can find us. You guys know how to use the YouTubes by now. I'm pretty sure. I think if you're over the age of five, you know how to use the YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's. You know. <laughs> so what is this bill? Bill just in limbo now. Do you see this going anywhere? Or is this just too ridiculous to even see the light of day? You know, I, th- I think it's too ridiculous. I did a search on it um, recently, and there's it hasn't moved th- that I can tell. So I think it's stalled out. Maybe they're still working out this whole tiebreaker system. Maybe they need to work out the finer details. They've got some other tiebreakers they they got to bring into the picture. But this kind of ties into. A morning roar I did yesterday, which would be Monday. Actually, today. We're recording it today on Monday. Where's Walter O'Brien when I need him? Uh, March Peeling 16th. back the curtain. So, you mean the so, show isn't live? So you can go back and read that when this comes out. And it's about the, the whole Planet Fitness fiasco, which I'm sure a lot of, uh, a lot of the, the listeners have heard about. The uh, woman in Michigan, Middletown, Michigan, I think, something like that. Um, who was in a Planet Fitness and saw someone that she thought looked like a man in the ladies' locker room and went, <laughs> reported it to management, and management went ahead and canceled her membership. And the transgender individual who was um, not a member um, was you know, not punished at all. And I, I don't think she should have been 
punished. It, I mean, it's up to, I guess what I'm trying to say here, it should be up to, to Planet Fitness to determine how they use their restrooms as long as nobody is getting, is getting harmed. I mean, if you don't, um, if you don't want to go to a place that allows certain types of people in uh, the facilities there, in the locker rooms or restrooms there, let the um, individual business handle that. Let, let's not um, pass laws that um, insert the government there. So you have people um, sitting at doorways like bouncers, carting, carting uh, people for IDs and checking chromosomes. You know, I went to a club in, in the Bahamas once. This is a, I visited the Bahamas a couple years ago, like a nightclub. And the bathrooms were just uh, unisex. Everyone could go in. You just, really? you, just pick, you just pick your stall. You go do what you got to do in your stall. And you come out and you, everyone, and you, you have the sinks there. They were all stalls, obviously. There were no urinals in the, the unisex bathroom. But, yeah, everyone's fine. It was no big deal. You come out, you wash your hands next to a nice lady. And, you know, you, you <laughs> awkwardly don't talk to her. And they, you go back to the club. It's great. But, just uh, like every other bathroom experience. You exactly. awkwardly don't talk to anyone. You don't make exactly. eye contact. You get in, you get out. And I'm different. That's exactly it's, – it's no different than if a man is there. Um, so I don't know. Why is everybody uptight about all this stuff? And, and why do they feel the need to use government to, to figure out things like, you know, what people can go in what bathrooms? Yeah, I, I don't know. But it's, it's the Republicans who are most adamant about this that want to, you know, control who uses which bathrooms, which is just, I think, so ironic. Um, the, the progressives, for the most part, are just, you know – pissed off and upset that this uh, woman reported the transgender individual in the bathroom at all. They're mad that she was even upset about a transgender person being in there. There's nothing wrong with being upset. If you, I mean, if, it makes, if something makes you uncomfortable or, or upset, I mean, you're a human being. That's, that's a reaction that's going to happen. But uh, it's interesting and uh, predictable to see the reactions from both sides on this one. Predictable indeed. Well, I mean, the, the main thing is it's because these guys aren't basing their proposals their their Texas bills on on a solid principle they're basing it on what they like and what they don't like so maybe a lot of Republicans are in this person who introduced this bill uh, they don't like transgender people or maybe they're just uncomfortable with it or what have you so to them it makes sense to use the law this way whereas you know a progressive they might be fine with transgender people so therefore they don't want to use the law to enforce any any rule in this case or maybe they probably would want to force the owners to actually use it in, in the way that they want to, which is to allow transgenders to use whatever bathroom they want, as opposed to actually neither side actually has the faintest idea about respecting the property of that gym or or what have you. So I think it's a uh, it's pretty much just like everything else with these guys. When it, when it comes at the end of the day, you actually try to break down what they believe. You realize there's there's nothing actually there. Yeah, it's all about using the government to uh, you know pass the the proposals that they want to pass so they can force people to behave and uh live the way that they think is the right way to live which uh i mean that's i mean we could go down a list of examples that's that's pretty much politics right there that's that's how they keep people interested yeah that's that's the drug war that's gun laws that's 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 just about everything uh now Odie, i've got a couple more stories i want to go over with you but first we got to take a minute to give a little love to our sponsors at health excellence select now, until last year, I was just like you guys. I saw my health insurance cost double and my deductible skyrocket thanks to the Obamacare health insurance mandates. Determined not to participate in this corporatist scheme, I sought an alternative and found out about health sharing, a fantastic concept in which your monthly fees go directly to pay the medical bills of others, not into the pockets of some crony capitalist fat cat. Health Excellence Select combines health sharing with a patient care personal assistant, 24-7 phone access to board-certified physicians, 
and discounts on dental, vision, and other benefits. The best part is that for most people, plans with Health Excellence Select are much more affordable than Obamacare insurance, and it meets the legal mandate, so you will not be fined for using it in lieu of insurance. That's Health Excellence Select. For more information, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash health. Now let's move on to uh, another story here featuring uh, a lady we haven't talked about that much recently, but, you know, for a lot of obvious reasons, she's appearing in the news more recently, and um, obviously there's been some scandals related to her, and that's what you were addressing with this article, which is entitled, Will Hillary Clinton Face Felony Charges Due to Email Scandal? So why don't you just recap the email scandal real quick for people that might not somehow be living under a rock. I was in Nicaragua and I heard about the email scandal. So, I mean, like, it's pretty tough to, to have not heard about this yet. But just in case, why don't you just let us in on this thing? Well, you, re- you read Lines of Liberty, so that's why you heard about it when you were in Nicaragua. But Well, yeah, I can't help it. I digress. Um, well, I mean, just to summarize Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State, she did not have a, a government email address, and it came out later that two of her closest aides didn't have government email, email addresses either. Like, didn't even have one at all. Right, didn't have one at all. Never never signed up, probably never filled out the paperwork, just, just said, no, paper. I'm passing on that government email address. Now I love my AOL email. I cannot give it up. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's a grandmother, so she probably does use AOL. <laughs> You've got mail. But and anyways, imagine if we had to do this podcast over dial up, how long it would take. That would be awful. That would be terrible. Every 10 minutes. Oh, man. Imagine Hillary Clinton signing into her dial up on her AOL. (laughs) Anyway, so she had uh, the Clintons. They had email servers. I mean, they were running their own freaking email server. This wasn't like a small thing. It wasn't like, I mean, she wasn't using AOL. She was using her own email freaking entire system, which is, is ridiculous for the Secretary of State to be doing. Um, so all, HOL, it's Hillary Online. Yeah, Hillary Online. So all these emails are going, obviously, to her personal account. She made the excuse that she didn't want to have two uh, devices, which is freaking insane. I already have two toasters. And an insult to any sane person that has ever sent email or used cell phones or done anything with a computer. Yeah, because I, I actually have three email accounts, and yet I have one device for all of them. How, how did I figure that out? You're just a logistics genius. Yeah. And it's not too bad having two devices either. I have two cell phones, one for work, one for personal. It's not that difficult to manage it, really. And if you can't manage that, then we might have some questions about if you can manage, <laughs> you know, running a whole effing country. France? Yeah. Yeah, that's that should be the first qualifier. Yeah. Um, do you have one cell phone? Do you know how to set up email? It can't be precedent. <laughs> anyway, so I, I first got the idea for this article. I saw uh, one of my favorites, Judge Andrew Napolitano on uh, The Kelly File with uh, host Megan Kelly. And uh, he was on there to talk about this Hillary Clinton um, scandal, the email scandal. And in true Judge Napolitano fashion, you know, he has a flair for the dramatic in a good way, in a good way. He backs it up with facts. So he he lays out um, not only why she's in um, legal trouble and could face a misdemeanor, but also how she could face felonies. And the the misdemeanor has to do with the fact that she's just um, receiving possibly uh, secretive or uh, sealed government documents on this personal email account. It's the same charges that um, I'm not going to say they got General Petraeus because he really got a, a light um, 
you know, really didn't get punished too much for for his uh, transgressions. I, I think he got his like Netflix uh, subscription suspended <laughs> for three months. That was his his punishment. He can't watch House of Cards until next year. That that was Petraeus's punishment. Yeah. So uh, then Napolitano says, if uh, she, being Hillary Clinton, retained on her personal email account using the Clinton server at her home or or near her home in uh, Chepkua, whatever New York, that place in New York that I can't say, um, classified materials, classified Chepua. documents. Chapua? Chapua. Chapua? I don't know. I think so. That's a Native American name, I'm assuming. So, uh, I don't know. I I don't know how to say it. Um, She arguably violated the same statute that General Petraeus has agreed that he'll plead guilty to, which prohibits retaining classified information in a um, non-government secured way. So, I mean, I, I don't know how she would not have violated this law being Secretary of State. Either that or she was the worst Secretary of State ever and did not weigh in on any classified um, goings-on, which, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that there's a heck of a lot that runs past the desk of the Secretary of State on a freaking daily basis. One would think. Um, so I, I don't know how she didn't break that law. And the charges for that, the punishment for that, if convicted, if charges ever brought, which they probably never will be, the punishment for the crime is up to a year in jail and a hundred thousand dollar fine for each document, which could be freaking thousands or tens of thousands, or I've got—I don't know. I mean, charges will never be brought, but um, they, they, if they were, she would be done. So but you would answer no to the question posed in your article of whether she will face charges. You don't think anyone's going to bring charges against this uh, this lovely woman? Well, you know, when I first read this and wrote about it, I was kind of excited, and I thought, oh, maybe this would be Hillary Clinton's downfall. But you know, as time has gone by. Uh, reality is set in, and I, you know, I don't think anything's going to happen. No, come on. <laughs> it's a world we live in today. If she can kill Vince Foster, then we're she can. Wrong. No, I don't know. I don't know if she did that. I'm... Better watch what you say, Mark. Now I'm just spreading <laughs> propaganda. Better watch what you say. The Clintons will come for you next. We're not. Oh no. Ooh. Oh jeez. <laughs> maybe that's maybe it's time to wrap up the show then. <laughs> now, but before we wrap up, I do want to touch briefly on one more article you wrote. And uh, this is kind of a divergence from your normal style. Normally, you'll pick out a news story and kind of just focus on that and kind of see what we can learn from it. But uh, this was just a, a very bold opinion piece that you just decided to write one day, and you entitled this "It is time to restore the rights of nonviolent felons." So, what what happened here? Why did you get up and just feel inspired to write this piece? Because I love liberty. I don't know. All right, good answer. <laughs> you got one liberty point. Um, I, I, I don't know. I was just uh, – it, it really drags you down after a while. You know, I, I mean, it doesn't drag you down, but um, seeing, all, seeing uh, all these felonies on a weekly basis. I've been writing this Felony Friday um, feature for, God, almost two years. That's incredible. I haven't missed a single Friday. It's probably the greatest accomplishment in my, in my entire life. They're all good <laughs> kidding. I, I hope not. It's pretty impressive. This is a- – <laughs> It's been going on since what 2013? Yeah, it's it was right after one. right after I got married. That's how I keep track of you know how far along I am in my marriage too. It's, that's why I started Felony Friday Secrets Out. <laughs> but no, I mean you, you read these things every week and it really really drags you down. And you know sometimes you just gotta you know just pour pour your heart into something and just you know say say how you feel and just just lay it out there why why it why some things are are just ridiculous and are unacceptable in a civilized society. And um, at, at this point in time, you know, I just decided, you know, it's, I've, I've had enough of this. You know, I want to make a statement and say it's, it is time to restore the rights of nonviolent felons because a, a nonviolent felon, someone that has, you know, ingested a substance that's uh, not allowed by the government, 
even somebody that has, you know, maybe uh, committed uh, fraud or um, any a, a wide range of nonviolent felonies, um, if they've been let out of prison and they've supposedly been rehabilitated, how the heck are you going to call them um, citizens with freedoms and not give them the right to defend their life? You can't. You can't be free and not have the right to defend yourself. That's just that, – that's it doesn't work. It's it's incompatible. Sure, because felons lose the right to own a firearm. They lose the right to own a gun. In many cases, they can't leave the country. They can't get a passport all the time. Uh, you know, the, you're, you're not just – once. It, it seems that once your sentence is over, if you've ever been a felon, that's your sentence. Your sentence is a life sentence of being a felon, and your, your, your sentence is for life of losing certain rights, which you can – never really get back and it's it's it seems so sad to me that people can just screw up in life or even just i mean you could argue someone that goes to jail for smoking a joint didn't even screw up they only screwed up because it was illegal uh you know i I don't know how many people actually go to jail for smoking a joint anymore but certainly a lot of people have gone to jail for that as ridiculous as it sounds and even if someone went to jail in the 80s for having a little pot here we are in 2014 plus one and that that same person likely cannot vote likely cannot buy a gun all because of that one non-violent non-crime if you ask me amen preach on i agree All right. Well, I think I think that's a good way to end the show on a high note. And hey, you know, we I, I, I questioned whether we'd have fun here today, but I think we did have fun. It's been a pretty upbeat show. Uh, most of our stories have a have a positive spin to them, if nothing else, uh, except for that whole weird Texas bathroom thing. And <laughs> yeah, but we <laughs> learned about Texas Bill. Let's go get a steak. We have a new. Uh, well, we, but we got exactly. Well, we got <laughs> Texas. A new we mascot. A new, it was worth it to have the the one story without a you know an, a happy spin to it to create a whole new character, which we can now will now be the basis for our YouTube channel. So this is going to yeah. work out great. And uh, you know what else I think is going to work out great, Odie? That is our very next episode of this show. You're pulling double duty. You're going to back-to-back episodes because the next time you are here on the line with me, we're going to be recording another edition of Let Me Be Your Whiskey Shot. That's right, folks. Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. It's coming back next Tuesday. The very next episode you will hear and see in your iTunes feed or your Stitcher feed or over, or you'll hear over at LRN.FM or at LibertyTalk.FM. That's right. I'm getting all the plugs in because it's time to wrap things up. But we will once again have the whole crew in here or at least some of the crew to record another one of our, our good old times. You're looking forward to being back in the, uh, in the old living room? I'm always looking forward to it. I freaking love it. And the last one, the last one we recorded, I'm not just saying this, but I mean, that was so much fun. I mean, um, the the debate back and forth, it got a little contentious too, and that's good. So hopefully, uh, you know, we, we go in unscripted, so who knows what can happen. Um, there could be a little feisty debate going on, so you know, I, I we, like get the, the we get the whiskey in us, get a little fired up. You, you know? know what I think it was for me is usually, you know, usually we start those shows and I start drinking, you know, as we start it. That time I had a solid glass of scotch before we even got on the call, so I think that really helped help me anyway. Help me enjoy the show more. I don't know if it made the show better or more fun, but you know, that's Let what I recommend. It. And I recommend uh, you know if you listen at home, maybe have a drink before you start the show because I recommend that for every episode personally. But you know, drink along and tweet us what you're drinking. Yes, yes, that's what you do. Tweet us what you're drinking. Tweet, uh, tweet, tweet the actual liquor that you're drinking, and uh, you know maybe we'll pick up sponsors that way. Uh, we, we are looking forward to it. It's going to be a good old time. Until then, Odie, what are we going to tell everybody out there? We're going to ask them to live long.
And live free. And live free. That's right. Peace. Screw it. I'm not waiting. I'm going to start drinking now. <laughs>